There are many wonderful people adding to the positive outlook of a backcountry and hunting lifestyle. Our goal is to join them in promoting that outlook. Welcome to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and tactics of our outdoor pursuits. Welcome back to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast, everyone. This is Brian here, sitting down with Joe and Chad. We're sitting down here tonight, guys, because uh, this last fall, we brought you a fall hunting recap, Mm -hmm. a fall hunting review. And so we we thought we'd sit down, the three of us tonight, and do a spring review, because we've had a lot going on. There's been some cool life stuff, cool hunting and outdoors opportunities, but for the most part... um, you know, I think all three of us have been pretty busy. Yeah, mm-hmm. stuff going on, especially yeah. Chad. We're gonna we're gonna bow down to Chad on the busyness side of it because <laughs> when Chad gets to his, and you'll see why. Uh, but yeah, we just we just want to take the first part of this episode, all three of us, really, to say thank you to everyone who's tuned in, who's listened, who's supported us, who's shared podcasts we've put on social media. It it really means a lot to us. It's not an easy thing to put out content like this on a regular basis. And your guys' support has been what has helped us to kind of be able to continue. And we'd love to keep kind of upping the ante as well. And so if you like what you're hearing and you're engaging with this content, if you could give us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, it would really help us out. Um, I think all three of us are kind of guys that don't like to ask for that, but it's needed in, in, in this world and in, in this digital world. So once again, we really appreciate everyone who has tuned in and has helped us out and given us feedback. We would love a little bit more from you guys of, of giving us a review or telling us what you like, what you don't like. Keep us dialed in. Uh, that's that's kind of the goal. So Yeah, and on, on top of that, just to butt in the review thing, um, if you guys do do reviews or ratings and stuff like that, that kind of just moves us up the list when people are searching for certain like sports and outdoors or whatever it is yeah. on iTunes. So it kind of helps people find us. And, and you know, we want we want as many people to hear us as possible so we can get us we can get all the critics reviews and all that fun jazz and we've grown quite a bit just in the past right. 6 months so yeah, right. Brian, why don't you yeah i was going to i was going to say uh usually kind of people are petitioning for this kind of thing when things aren't going very well or maybe are stale with what they've got going on but it's actually the opposite for us we uh are doing really well and and our analytics have showed us that there's been continual growth, progressive growth, uh, and it's really shot up in the last few months here. So, you know, our goal with Contact Outdoors has always been to, been to bring you guys honest content from hopefully people who are doing it the right way and from a standpoint of humility and to, to keep you updated on kind of what, what's new in the outdoor world as much as we possibly can. So... W- we're not coming at this from a standpoint of things aren't going well. It's actually the opposite. So like Chad mentioned, it's important for us to let you guys know that the ones, those of you who have been supporting us, it's, it's, it's been a tremendous help and we just kind of ask for continued support, uh, from, so maybe if you're someone out there who's listened a bunch and you haven't written us a review, go on there and, and share your thoughts. Uh, it would help us out a ton. So 
Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank and, you. Yeah. So we'll move on. We'll move on to the important things once we, we got business out of the way. And we're going to kind of go is do something a little interesting tonight. We're going to go in chronological order for this spring review or update. And we'll start with, uh, unfortunately, I did this whole intro and now I'm going to start with me. <laughs> so I feel like a jerk. So uh, we're starting with me just, just because uh, I was the one who kind of got out and had the opportunity to turkey hunt the most this year. And over the last few years, I've really been kind of enamored with bow hunting turkeys. So I spent, I think I counted it up. I, I spent 11 days. I was able to get out 11 days and I'll just go ahead right off the bat and say that I just got outclassed. Uh, I was in a situation on a small piece of property, turkey hunting. If you listen to the episode where we talked with Levi Glines, he's a great turkey hunter. And, uh, we, we kind of all shared some things. If you, if so, if you're new to turkey hunting, you don't know anything about that. Go back to that episode. It's, it's turkey hunting with Levi Glines and listen to that one. But uh, just sharing a little bit of my experience, I tried everything. I tried blind, no blind, decoys, no decoys, multiple decoys, decoys in different situations <laughs> and configurations. I tried different spots, um, everything that I could do. I, I, I will say in my defense a little bit, I was competing pretty heavily with some beautiful sod fields. And it seemed like those birds just did not want to leave the sod fields. I was in, I was in a little bit, I was in some kind of a little bit thicker CPR, um, CRP, sorry, CPR. I just, <laughs> I just took One, CPR two, training three, actually <laughs> for Alaska. So that was fresh in my mind, but some CRP fields and, uh, just couldn't, couldn't call them over. That's the other thing I tried calling. I tried not calling. I tried variations of calling. So now not to say that some OG wouldn't have been able to come in there and kill a turkey where I couldn't, but I, I had a rough, just a rough go of it. I learned a lot. Uh, usually when you're unsuccessful, sometimes you can learn more when you're unsuccessful than when you're successful about maybe some things you should have done differently. Uh, but my, my turkey season ended with despair of not, not having any wild turkey in the freezer. But also on the other side of that, the balance of sitting out there in the mornings, watching the sun come up, <clears throat> that brings, brings to mind another thing I tried every different time of the day too. <laughs> I think I tried about everything I knew. So oh, what I really needed, I actually even called a couple of my good buddies from Kentucky that are, that are, I would kind of label as professional turkey hunters definitely way better than me and ask their advice and they gave me some good advice but it was a good learning experience that kind of really honestly sums up my turkey season it was yeah. tough i was trying trying it with a bow so i know there's a little bit of added difficulty with you know really wanting to get them in in range and just for me personally i want to get them really close so my decoy is not more than 10 yards away yeah. i want to get them in really really close um, just cause I haven't been as comfortable with shooting them in the head and maybe that's something I need to look at doing, but I've shot them in the body before and I've always had good luck doing that. Um, and so I like to get them close cause that, that kill zone isn't always easy to locate yeah. a bird like that. So that's my, that's my update for turkey season. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well then I will jump into foraging, uh, which I only got out a couple times. 
and didn't do too hot on the morels at all, but got into some ramps Nice. and uh, yeah, collected enough for making some ramp butter that I'm hoping to keep going, but I brought out to the boundary waters, which I'll shed a little bit of light on. Um, so, but yeah, I, I actually was kind of wondering cause my morale spot was hitting about four or five years ago, right when I got into it. And now it's just completely transitioned. Hmm. And huh. so I need to find my new territory. Yeah. <clears throat> huh. And actually a quick anecdote was a few years ago, I was actually training my dog in a city park and we were walking right up to the shoreline. There's no trees, nothing. And there are gold morels all over the place. I'm like, what the heck? Where are they coming from? I've been out in the woods for six hours and I haven't seen anything. And then I go to this spot right by a pond and there are morels all over the place. So that's like that, some, that pheasant back I sent you that I yeah. saw. It was literally a park that. It was a hundred feet in from the parking lot, right off the trail, growing on a tree, yep. laying on the side of the trail. Yeah. I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> my buddy had a, a banner year this year. I won't tell you where he's at, but he's in the metro, and he just walks his dog and comes across. I think he got about five pounds of morels this See, year, just walking his dog on trails that's not fair that's what i've been hearing like everybody i heard from this year was like yeah it was awesome this year i never had i've never had such luck but yeah. it's all like beginners i feel like morels might be kind of sucked to tar yeah. or pavement yeah could be because i or you i think the experienced people have their spots so they go to yeah. their spots where i think the newbies are just going wherever and i think maybe this year it was like a transition year of some sort because it was so wet maybe yeah. i don't know but yeah people i know like we were up on up by amy's parents place uh memorial day weekend and me and the, her father-in-law and the kids all go went out looking couldn't find anything um but the my amy's cousin my buddy him and their little group ended up finding about 10 pounds wow and they'd never nice. hunted before this year sucks them in yeah that's cool. now they're locked in so yeah. that's the way it is, but yeah, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about those ramps and what I did with them in the Bonnie Waters in a little bit. Yeah, so, that'll be awesome. Yeah, I think uh, that brings me. Yeah, you. Yeah, so I went to I went <laughs> back to Montana for spring bear this year. Um, I didn't buy a tag. I took my boss out there. He's never been out west, and he's been hounding me about going elk hunting and doing this and that, and you know whatever. And I keep. You know, telling him just go figure it out, go do it on your own, and his arguments. <laughs> his arguments always been that um, he's not comfortable in the mountains, he's not comfortable out west, he's never been out there. I said, "Oh, I'll take you out spring bear hunting, then you're comfortable, then you can leave me alone." <laughs> <laughs> and he hasn't left me alone, but um, we took, I did take him out there, and he did have a blast. He nice. learned a lot. He realized that it's not as big and scary as as it seems um because you were mentioning about the grizzly yeah deal. yeah 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 so we you know like uh meat eater posted that podcast about the grizzly attack and not mm. too long ago that was right yeah. before we went out and then we did a couple other things where i talked to him about it and you know and he was real freaked out about that and he just seemed real nervous in general about the mountains but once we got out there 
you know, the first night I could tell he was still a little bit nervous, but after that he, he really came to and really started to just enjoy it. But on to the hunt, um, we made it out there in good time. Um, actually got out there a little bit earlier than I thought we were going to get out. So we had a little bit of time and I got out once we got out, we went out later in the season than I'd gone in the past. Um, when we pulled up looking around, I kind of thought, well, it's a little greener than I'd like it to be. Um, yeah. you know, it, it <laughs> just seemed like everybody was saying it was going to be a late year. It was going to be a late year, but it seemed like it just went like that. And overnight everything was green. Because um, everybody was all of a sudden like, yeah, you need to get out here. So we got out there, checked out the spot, ended up going up in elevation, um, maybe a thousand feet that first night or something, just to, or that first afternoon, just to see what was going on up above to see if we could find any areas that were fresh green rather than old green um, and didn't find any. So we were walking back down. And as we were walking back down, we had a boar run out. And it's probably three, four hundred yards out. Um, he only paused for a second, then busted his butt up into the hills. And it's one of those situations with spring bear. You know, you can you can jump shoot like that if you're if you're comfortable with it. But the problem with spring bear is I I wouldn't do it because you might bust a bear up like that, and it may be out in the open for two, three, four, five minutes, and you're convinced it's a boar because there's no cubs with it or a sow without cubs and you take a shot at and next thing you know, there's two squealing cubs running around. Yeah. So it's not worth it. So we let that one go and, um, just set up and start hunting that night. And that night got rained on the next night. We got rained on the night after that. We got rained on, we got rained on every single night. The last night being the worst. Um, but after the first two nights, we decided to make a move because we weren't finding sign either, which was a problem. Even though we saw that bear, we just couldn't find sign. So the last night I said, or the last morning I woke up and I said, you know, Randy, we got to go. We got to go try somewhere else. So we went to another area that I've hunted in the past. Um, it's way higher in elevation, double the height of where we were. Um, and... We got up there, pulled in, walked down one of the gated roads to see what was going on, what we could see. And about half mile in, we started seeing tracks all over the roads. We saw a glacier lily popping up everywhere. Um, bright green grass and burnt forest, like just everything you want for bear hunting. Like it was literally like we were in there for 10 minutes. I looked at Randy. I said, there's nowhere else we should be right now. This is exactly where we need to be. Let's go back, set up camp. We'll come back down here and we'll hunt here tonight. So we did that. And we went down too early, ate dinner, relaxed on the side of the hill, just waiting for something to come out. And then I think it was getting dark at like eight, eight thirty at that time. It's like six thirty. It started to rain. 7.30, it started to pour. Or no, 7, it started to pour. Oh. To a point where it was like, with rain gear on and everything else, you're just like, this sucks. Yeah. Nothing's going to move. There's no reason for any animal to be out right now. Yeah. So we took a walk and walked about a mile and a half just down the road to see if maybe we'd bump something or whatever. Didn't see anything. <laughs> we went back up to the tents. Either the wind blew my tent so hard that it snapped a pole or one of the guys driving up through the Forest Service that saw us set up up there 
drove up there, saw our tents, and broke him. Because I ended up coming back to a tent with a snap pole that was pushed through my rain fly. What? And it was windy that night, but I just, uh, I have a hard time believing yeah. that my tent had a snap pole. Because it's not a cheap pole system on that tent at all. Um, but yes, yeah, so we came back to that. So my tent was soaked. So we ended up grabbing a room in Helena and on the way home, basically. Stopped in Helena and then ended up screwing around a little bit the next day and um, heading home after that. And I, you know, I, it sucked. I didn't have a tag. Um, there was no reason for me to care what happened with the hunt, but I felt responsible in a way. But my boss had a blast. He had a nice. ton of fun. He's looking at elk hunting now. He's trying nice. to figure that side out. So he's hooked on it. And, yep. you know, he had a lot of fun. So that's really good. I'm glad that he did. And Was it his first time to the mountains? Yeah. Okay. Now, he'd been in Montana when he was a kid. He's got an uncle that lives out there. Okay. And he'd been okay. there when he was a kid, but he's never, like, been up in the mountains. Yeah. So he was pretty blown away, like, the drive out there. You know the drive. And yeah. Where you're just seeing some of those monsters. Especially when you hit Glacier. If you oh, hit Glacier, yeah. you're like, oh, okay. Well, even, yeah. yeah, there were some other areas even south of there that I showed him that I was like, yeah, this is what, you know, this is what it's <laughs> like. where we there. are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, we headed home uh friday it was a friday we headed home and we met my wife down in marshall minnesota on the way home so we drove straight through stopped and had a hell of a steak dinner in some little town in the middle of north dakota <laughs> at like 10 30 at night the, the the restaurant was still open they had ribeyes and everything it was what? just awesome yeah it's awesome 30 yeah Jeez. i think it was i think nice. it was, <laughs> god I, I wish i could remember the name of the town me too. I'll, yeah. figure, I'll figure it out. But yeah, there was a town that we stopped in that was just like middle of nowhere, nothing around. We were finally out of gas. He's got a diesel Chevy, so it's like you get like 450 miles to the gallon yeah. or to the tank. So you're like, <laughs> yeah. by the time you have to stop for gas, you you're, have to be You need so to stop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we ended up luckily in this town and got a steak dinner and everything, then drove the rest of the way and um, met my wife and Marshall. She was at a hotel with the kids and kind of hung out there with them for a few hours in the morning, wished I'd been there about three hours earlier so I could actually slept. But got in the pool with the kids, ate breakfast, packed everything up, and then headed over to the dog breeder and ended up picking up a new puppy. Nice. Yes, sir. So, so we went and picked up our new Black Lab Knight. He's at a Prairie Marsh Kennel. They're down in Garvin, Minnesota. Um we after everything happened with Hank, I kind of jumped on the ball right away to get another dog. Yeah. And this is a actually a litter I looked at when Hank was still alive. Like back in December, I was mm -hmm. looking at this litter and interested in it. And luckily I contacted him after Hank had passed and he had a spot left. So yeah. we were able to get in on it. Which is we're lucky. Uh, yeah. yeah. We're really lucky. Big time. And I, yeah. Especially with that pedigree. Yeah. I recognize it. And I'm, yeah, very grateful for it. And so, um, so we got on that. So I picked up a puppy and uh, started heading home with him. And since then, it's been chaos and ripped up <laughs> everything yeah. and whatever. But when it comes to training time, that dog is very, very good. That's good. Um, nice. I'll say that. If you're active with him and busy with him, he's really, really good. It's just that, you know, I'm not a lazy person. 
I yeah. like to be up and moving and doing stuff, but there's like that good hour in the afternoon where I'm typing up whatever on for work. I just want to sit on the couch and be quiet. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> That's where he gets on my nerves, yeah, and that's yeah. where I've learned. I'm just like, yeah, go take some kennel time, take a little <laughs> that's nap. Right. Yep. Yeah. So well, as he grows, you'll just continue to in training, reach you know, shift that that excitement and that aggression to what he's what he's yeah, going to be doing yeah. on the field. Yeah. So it'll just that's that's good. It is you a know? good thing. You and know? he's yeah, he's been he's been really good. I mean, all in all, it's been pretty amazing compared to Hank. Hank at a, as a puppy was a he was a terror. Um and <laughs> yeah. not in like the chewing and biting, but more in like barking at everything and freaking yeah. out about everything whereas night it's chewing and biting, so it's just a different avenue that we have yeah. to navigate, but it's been going good. So it's been really awesome. Kids cool. are excited. Wife's excited. I'm excited. Everybody's How old happy. is he now? Thirteen weeks now. Okay, thirteen weeks. Just turned thirteen so weeks. He's today, I think. close to getting more of a formal train. Although I don't really know what the yeah right now cornerstone. Right, right now we're we're running the cornerstone <clears throat> uh, gun dog academy modules is what what I'm running with for the training system on this one. And um, right now it's just basic obedience. And, you know, we've been doing sit, we've been doing place board training, heel work, which he's, he's kicking ass at heel work, um, sit and place board. He kicked ass at too. He's a typical lab. Give him a treat and the dog will do anything. Anything you want him to do. (laughs) Ask him to do a backflip if you understood (laughs) backflip. You got a treat for me, sucker? I'll do whatever you want. (laughs) But we've been doing extended sit, extended place board where I can set him on his place board if I've got a hand up. I can walk around the place board about five yards outside of the place board, walk a full circle, and he won't, besides doing the butt scoot spin, yeah. he won't move. And same with sit. Sit, I can walk about 25 to 30 yards out now, and he'll stay there. Place board, I can remote him to the place board from about five yards. Any awesome. further, he just kind of looks at me and doesn't know what's going on. Heel training's doing really well. Yeah, retriever, retrieving and stuff like that, we're barely even touching yeah you know just getting yep. a yep. few Which a day is totally fine um not trying to get too serious with any of that stuff but yeah i think i'm gonna stick to basic obedience because the problem the thing with him is the timeline is different than i'm used to with a dog getting in a dog in the spring is different for me i'm used to getting one in like late summer fall where it's more like yeah you can press and push Mm-hmm. And have them ready by the next season. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's like I've got a full year. Yeah. Year and a Which, half before yeah. I. But I'd like to. It's probably going to be a blessing more than anything. Yeah. And I'd like to hunt test them and stuff like that next year. Mm-hmm. So that's the only goal right now. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm really taking my time Good. and really like honing in on. Like with Hank, there were certain skills that I was like, "Oh, he's got this," and I'd walk away from it and revisit it in six months and be like holy crap he doesn't have this at yeah all. right right so there's certain things that i'm honing in on much more and it's more we've just started recall training with him so yeah. and he's doing good with it if i have a treat but if i don't have a treat he doesn't yeah he's, he's doing the runaway right now but i knew that was coming because he's at that stage it's yeah. that three month like that 12 week stage where they turn into little Mm, yep. <laughs> and then and then there and then and, and there's nothing there's no other way around it it's just like i call my youngest kid he's a terrorist it's the same thing there's, there's nothing else around there's no other way of putting it but and he's like he'll be like that for a couple two three maybe even four weeks then he'll be an angel yeah you know, for two months and then we hit six months and it's 
all over Something again. Happens. So I knew it was hilarious. I was ready for it, and he's tested my patience a couple times, but I've learned to just walk away and just yep. we'll revisit whatever we re- need to revisit, and we'll work on whatever we need to work on in due time. We've got time. So how is it? How is that cornerstone compared to? your previous experiences with Hank as far as, cause I'm sure you did like water dog or gun dog or something like that. Uh, I, or did, I did. What, uh, like what other, you did other books though, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did a mix. I did uh Hey pup, fetch it up. That's I did what it was. Robert Milner's gun dog or whatever it is. Yeah. Canoe dog training, whatever his one, the British style. So I started with British style originally. Um, but I did, tie in some Dawkins and then 10 minute retriever was a huge one too for me. It's not that much different. Really? Um, Okay. 10 minute retriever is very similar to uh, cornerstone. The only thing different that I've noticed is they really push the treats. Whereas like 10 minute, Hey pup, fetch it up. uh, Even Robert Milner's like they, they push the treats a little bit, but it's like, eh, you know, if you don't want to do treats, don't do treats. Sure. The other big innovation that I've noticed is the clicker. The clicker hmm. wasn't in any of those books. Hmm. Um, but now that's like have the clicker there for everything. It's their it's their it's their little waypoint of hey their I did attention good. Getter. I did good. As soon as as soon as they do good, you hit the clicker and then you give them a treat. Okay. So it's like their kind of key of like, oh I hear that noise. I did it's good. the reinf- it's yeah. just another reinforcement yeah. of oh, got it. Yep, it's just nice. a way to lock them in and go. Remember this moment. Yeah. And, That's cool. Um, They're so smart. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy because I'll watch the Cornerstone videos, and as soon as he hears Josh Parvin's voice, he gets excited. But as soon as he hears the clicker, <laughs> no as, soon as, he, as soon as he hears the clicker, he's sitting at my foot with his tail just going like this, nice. just waiting. That's like, awesome. Are we going to go train? Are we going to train? Let's go train. Let's so, go whenever, train. so whenever you're actually hunting with him just have a couple sound bites of josh somebody actually somebody actually hit on that and like because they have questions at the bottom of every module yeah somebody actually hit on that like do we are we, are we going to be bringing a clicker out when we're hunting and he's like right. no once you get to like that six months age like once you get to the base obedience is down yep you don't worry about the clicker. You don't worry about the treat it's good dog your reward is a retrieve right and so yeah, yeah. I did get into some of their advanced stuff today just to look to see what it was looking like and not even advanced, like their intro to gunfire. Um, their I did intro to gunfire, intro to water work. And those were really similar to mm. like 10 minute retriever, hey pup, fetch it up, all those. The only difference was they have the gun and the dummy on the same end. So it was, or no, no, it was a gun, the dummy thrown yeah it's gun and the dummy on the same end so the gun goes off the dummy gets thrown Mm, whereas the way i did it was the dummy gets thrown with the guy the guy who has the retriever is throwing a dummy and then i shoot a gun and then that way the dog sees the dummy sees it fall gets that together their idea with putting the gun before the dummy is to train them on marks because yeah. in a field trial or a hunt test, a mark is <clears throat> done by duck call, gunshot, yep. falls. That makes sense. So, because if it's already in the air mm-hmm. and they don't see it, mm-hmm. and the gunshot, then they hear the gunshot, they're maybe catching it the last twenty yep. feet it falls yep. instead of being able to know. Okay, there's a the gunshot, and then I'm watching. 
Yeah. I'm watching yeah. and I'm going to follow this the whole way. Yeah. That and makes that, sense. It that's, does. Well, the, the other critical part, and maybe, maybe we're spending a little bit too much time on it, but I'm kind of curious on how that was com- in comparison, but how critical it might be to have an additional person with yeah. you yeah. when it comes to that. So basic obedience, that's something that you and your, your dog can just do alone. Yeah. But when it comes to uh, working marks, advanced yeah. marks and stuff like that, whether it be field or water, having another person is absolutely Huge. critical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. I guess it's not critical, but it, it will make your dog so much better yeah. than yeah. than you can even think. So yeah. Yeah, something that's why you to consider. Be expecting phone calls. I, in a few months. I'll be there, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was what, when I had Gage early on. Jeff, I would always be like, "Hey, man, can you come over? Yeah. We need to work on this." And and it's so helpful. Yeah, to have two guys there yeah. and yeah. two dogs too. So I'll I'll be bringing Jace too because yeah. dogs need to learn that sharing is yeah the honor just like the humans do. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. We, we talked a little bit about yeah. that before, yeah, but good. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's great. I'm looking forward to hunting yeah. with him. Yeah. It's going to be fun. That'll be cool. I'm excited. He's cute that, as can be. That, little, yeah, that little jump you see in the video. So if anybody wants to look it up, his dad is Fenderwood Drummer. So if you look up Fenderwood Drummer on Google, the video will pop up. But the little jump he does when he gets out of the water, when I throw retrieves for night, he does that. He'll like prance, prance, and do like the little giddy nice. up jump. <laughs> That's like, hilarious. Oh my God. That's <laughs> so funny. That's like awesome. father like son, right? <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. We are going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Cody Brown. I'm one of the Contact Outdoors team members, and I just wanted to let you know our next podcast is all about Brian's trips to Alaska. So you're not going to want to miss it. I get the opportunity to host, ask him a few questions, and just learn some of the things that he got to see and experience on those trips. And now, back to the show. I'm not going to take much time on my Boundary Waters trip because I just realized as we're talking and I'm thinking about what comes up next for me, we have a whole podcast dedicated to that. Yeah. So if if you haven't listened to it and you want to hear more in depth about my trip to the Boundary Waters, go check out uh, the episodes called The Boundary Waters with Matthew Wright. Matt Wright, I think we put in the title. He's a good friend of mine that went to the Boundary Waters with me and... uh yeah, I'll I'll just kind of touch on that just a little bit, just an overview, because it'd be better to get to to Chad's trip uh, to the Boundary Waters. So we actually went in on the Gunflint side again, and that's kind of been our our for one reason or another. The guys I've gone with and myself, that's kind of been our our area of choice to 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 kind of figure out that side. I always like one of my things, whether Western hunting. You know, even hunting in the Midwest, but when you're doing some outdoor activity is to kind of get in an area and then learn it instead of, instead of jumping all over the place, my, my kind of, the way that I like to kind of operate is let's, let's get in an area and figure it out as much as possible and then move on, you know, cause I think sometimes we as outdoorsmen and women, we get so enamored by the place and then we're, we're, we're dreamers. So we're like, where, what are we going to do next year? Let's go to this, you know, completely different area. And over the last, I'd say seven years, I've become really familiar with that gunflint side. 
And, and that has helped me a ton, not only in, in catching fish, but just knowing when I might bring somebody, this is a good spot to go. This is beautiful. This is really cool. So, uh, this year went in, my cousin Max has joined me on most of those trips in on the Gunflint side. And we, uh, he has a nickname fish brain. Uh, we, we kind of look to him as our, our fishing guide. He's a really cool dude. His dad, he grew up with his dad fishing nonstop growing up. So, you know, he's the one talking really the technicalities of fishing when we're out there. He, you know, I'm more like, well, let's try this depth. Let's try this. And, but Max is more thinking about the technicalities. When you talk to Max, you're talking to someone who, uh, you just know, knows much more about angling than you do. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, I've never even heard of that. Is that, it's one of those things where you listen to it and then you're like, is that even true? And then you try it and you're like, Oh, it works. You know, it's one of those kind of guys. So I'm sure there's some of you guys out there like that. I'm not one of them, but, uh, but Max is, so my cousin Max and then my friend Matt, who I actually met in Kentucky years ago, but this was our first trip together. So it was the three of us on the gunflint side and we went into kind of that whole North Gunflint side is a is an incredible lake trout fishery, and that's that's kind of why we go in the spring to catch lake trout. We ended up catching, getting to some walleye. We got into uh, all four species of the kind of canoe country slam, some smallmouth, some walleye, some pike, and obviously the lake trout. Caught a few of the biggest lake trout I've ever caught. So had some amazing food. We made fish tacos, but. I'm not even going to share much about that because in a second here, Chad's going to trump that with what he's got going on, <laughs> what he's been cooking up. And when I heard about it and Chad sent, I got a picture. I think you send a group text to Joe and I, Chad sends a picture from his trip of what they were eating. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like it, just, it just looks like something. You just take a picture of your food you're eating at a restaurant. So I was like, man, our fish tacos were good, but look at this. <laughs> so, uh, but you can never go wrong with you know, fresh fish from the lake, you know, the day you're catching them. And it's just a beautiful time. We had only really one bad day of weather. It was just super windy. It's really the only bad day we had. Other than that, it was pretty calm. It ended up being a, uh, if I remember right, gosh, I want to say, I can't remember for sure. You'd have to go back and listen to that other episode. It was either 28 or 32 mile round trip from the Gunflint side to where we went into Knife Lake. That's a trek. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was because there's a couple of big water yeah. spots there. Ogish, this is just a long, narrow lake, and you're basically portage from the north side, you know, north side portage, and then you and then you go to the south side is, is, is your next portage. Um, it's a f- few miles long. And then Seagull, that took some time. And yeah. if there's any wind at all, it takes really takes some it, time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, cool. it's funny. On most trips, I'm excited to get back in the canoe and paddle, you know, and, and not be portaging for you know eighty, a hundred, two hundred, four hundred rod portages. This trip was the complete opposite. We're looking forward to getting out, getting the packs on our backs, lifting our canoes up and, and getting in a portage. So you know there's a lot of paddling. But it was a beautiful trip. As always, beautiful scenery. Can never go wrong with that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna send it over to Are you next, Chad? Yeah, I am. All right, I good. So. Perfect. Perfect. I will say that we'll rewind. 
I will say that that podcast with you in the Boundary Waters yeah, that was, was awesome. unreal. Cool. Uh, with good. the loons going <laughs> and you yeah. could hear the, the campfire going. It's like... Dude, I feel like I'm there. Yeah. That was <laughs> having this conversation. I texted you like midway through. I was like, what the heck? Yeah. How do you get such good sound? Yeah. Right? It's, awesome. like, it's like 20 minutes of just straight up loons yeah. going to yeah. town. They went crazy. Mm-hmm. I yeah. was hoping, and it was kind of an it was kind of a experiment to see if the microphone would pick up those sounds. Yeah. I figured it'd pick up the fire, but I didn't know it would pick up the loons as well as it did. And and it was just a I I said to Nakota, the uh, the guy that he helps us with all of our sound engineering, I said, I'm going to send you this track, see what you think. It might be really crappy and you might not be able to use it, but see if you can utilize it in with the podcast. So it's more than just Matt and I talking and maybe some sound effects. And yeah, when he, when he was about halfway through, he was messaging me. He's like, dude, it's, (laughs) it's legit. It's going to work out. And I was excited. Yeah. We, we thought that it turned out, you know, pretty well so it's really good to hear that yeah that cool. and even uh it even captures the the quiet too which you don't really get here yeah. whatsoever totally living in the cities yeah and i don't know where all our listeners are but there's a there's a element of quiet that i just soak up and there's moments where <clears throat> where i've taken my well now wife but fiance up there and she's wondering why I'm not even talking. And it's like, because it's just, I want to just soak right. all this up. Right. Because we just don't have this right here. Right. And it's a weird silence. It's almost like it doesn't even have to, this is going to sound weird, but it doesn't even have to be completely silent to illuminate the silence of that area. Yeah. Like almost, you're not talking because I want to hear my paddle stroke in the water. Yeah. I want to hear that sound. And I want to hear a distant fish jump. And it's different than, like Chad mentioned, it's different than just being on being on a lake fishing anywhere else. It's it's very something about that area that creates this silence that you you only get in wilderness areas. Yeah, well, and it's there's no background noise. Right, that's the key. It's right, like you hear there's no highway. Room, that's all <laughs> yeah. you hear. You hear a fire. That's all you hear. It's yeah. not. You know, you hear that plus a car three miles away or whatever. You know, there's no background noise, which yep. is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, yeah, it was a good trip, but yeah, Chad, we got to hear about yours. Yeah. Uh, so most people, well, I, maybe they heard that I was at one point engaged. That was the last episode. And now I officially, <laughs> yeah, officially right. tied the knot yes, about sir. a month. Well, yeah, almost a month ago already. Wow. It's been that long. It's been a good That's run. That's crazy. Yeah. It's been a good, <laughs> it's been a good, good run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I brought out some of my groomsmen. I wanted my whole wedding party because it would have been a perfect nine, which in the Bonnie Waters, you only get to have nine people maximum yeah. in an area. So it would have been really cool for everyone to go and kind of get to know each other because a lot of them, well, not a lot of them, but a good chunk of them don't really, they know each other, but they don't really interact at all. So this would have been a really good experience. Plus two are from Wisconsin. Um, so adding the Wisconsin element, which anyone from Wisconsin. International trip. Then. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Coming from overseas. Yeah, yeah. You cross that border, man. There's something about that St. Croix. That yeah. just, something weird. But yeah. So it was uh, five of us uh, that, that were out there. 
Uh, and of the five, um, two I had brought out before on the Gunflint side. Yep. And uh, it was more of a – the first trip that we did was basically we paddle for five or six miles and we just hang out and that's all we do. Yep. No fishing, nothing. Yep. I, I did a little fishing just because it's like I'm I'm up here. I'm getting anxious. Like I just <laughs> maybe so stir crazy than anxious. Yeah, yeah. That I, I need to go out fishing or something. I need to catch something or do more than just hang out. Yeah. So then uh, I did another trip where we were just touring, and I kind of wanted to show them what the boundary waters was like and show them how. They can, I guess, push their limits because a lot of them have desk jobs and yeah. to do to be pushed to do 15 miles, which um, some of the hardcore people out there, I mean, 15 miles isn't anything. That's sure. like, but if you put in perspective of someone that doesn't exercise at all, doesn't know how to camp, doesn't know yeah. how to really take care of themselves outside of showering each morning, um, taking out the garbage on Friday yeah. and showing up to work right, right, <laughs> and going to bed at a decent hour. Like that's, that's, that's formidable. Yeah. 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 Um, and so putting together, um, this is your life kind of thing. Yeah. This is your life in a bag for the next five days and doing a, awesome. a tour. And we did it. Uh, in August, which was really hot, one of the guys I actually warned. Um, I was like, "Dude, you need to take more, eat more calories," because he he at the time was splitting his meals with his wife, which was the the worst thing you could possibly do. Because his <laughs> wife was like a hundred pounds, dripping wet, and he's a, about two hundred pounds. So it's like you need to be eating twice as much as right, she is. Right. So yeah, Oof. I mean, he just. He bonked big time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that was uh, two of those guys did that tour with me. And then another buddy of mine, it was his first time up there. And another friend was, it was his second time up there who kind of knew how to fish. And so this trip was actually more geared towards fishing, uh, which was the other aspect of the Bonnie Waters that I really wanted to show since I did the the touring um, before with a couple of the guys, the problem was, is that there was only one other guy that kind of knew how to fish. Mm, okay. Um, by kind of, I mean, he's done flying fishing trips to Canada, so he knows what he's doing. Um, <laughs> it's maybe not to the level of, uh, what, what was his fish brain, fish brain? <laughs> not like to that nuance, um, where, because he's not a Looper I mean, John or yeah, a fish right, brain. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, Dude, you go to Canada and you literally throw a rapala in the water and you're going to catch a billion walleye Boom, yeah. in an hour. <laughs> yeah. and it, it's just stupid up there. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm not meaning to discredit. You're getting international over here. Yeah, right. <laughs> just, put it, just put it this way. He's not a tactician. Yeah. There's, there's tactician fishermen yeah. and then there's just the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm not even that either by any stretch of the imagination. I'm more so fortunate than anything, but... Putting together a a trip like this uh, was for me a, a good stretch because 
um, I don't really guide people, yep. um, but I love taking people up there. Well, I love taking people anywhere outdoors, but when it comes to the boundary waters, I, I have this, um, this gear where I'm like, I have to try and I, I tell them right from the get go, anyone that reaches out to me about the boundary waters, I'm like, Hey, if I'm annoying you, <laughs> Let me know. I can see like you. I can see you overselling. I can. Yeah, I can like, vouch do, for it. Do you, guys, do you guys see that rock yeah. over there? <laughs> I can even, vouch for it. Yeah, but it was. But it was good because, like, and that was a hiking trip through the Boundary Waters. But still, kind of the same deal. Chad was super helpful. And being a Minnesotan, you'd think you'd figure out all the tricks with mosquitoes until Chad showed me the magic bug dope. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. I bring it to Alaska. That that stuff comes with me everywhere yeah. now. So if you are reaching out to Chad, just know you're going to get a lot of information, but it's going to be good. Yeah. So good. I, I don't mean to overwhelm, <laughs> but I do mean to overwhelm because yeah. I think information is power. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. we... Oh, I guess in this day and age, we look at reviews constantly. We yeah. look for feedback constantly. But when someone gives you that feedback and just piles it on and keeps piling it on, it's like, whoa, 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 like that's a little too much, bro, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And it's like, no, like if you're going to ask me about it, I'm going to, I'm going to throw everything I have at you because yeah. I want you, I want you to have fun. I, I had that conversation with the guy this weekend. He called me asking him about, uh, certain item and, and i said well you know how i am i researched the hell out of everything yeah and he's like well yeah yeah that's why i called i want to hear it all and i'm like all right how much time do you explain this kennel yeah. door <laughs> yeah yeah so and and that's what this was and it, it got to the point where one of my buddies talked to me personally he's like dude you feel like a mom when it comes to this, like, like you're packing our lunches, tying our boots up, yeah. like awesome. wiping our asses. But it's hilarious. Like the well, I, so what I do every trip I go on with people, and even just my solo trips too, is I have a a Google Doc, which is uh, I share with everyone and. This time around, I I personalized it where we have a communal tab where we have communal things like your tent, um, any other, like a hatchet or something, um, that kind of stuff. Tarp. Stuff that- uh, Everybody's going to use. Yeah, like mess kit. Stuff for cooking. Everyone's going to use it for that, but then it comes down to the individual. And so I have separate tabs on this spreadsheet- where it's, I list their name and say, this is what you need. Individual. Yeah. Yep. Uh, And even food plans, because I wanted to do, um, I wanted them each to kind of buy their own food. And I just, I did it simple and easy with Mountain House, but I kind of paired it where um, with some of the meals you can get get by with having two meals out of one by just bringing some tortillas, like breakfast skillet. You can have breakfast burritos with breakfast skillet for two days and then bring another like Mexican or taco themed type of meal where you can have that for dinner and hopefully we have some fish and you can kind of integrate that uh, to, to finish out the rest of your tortillas. So um, just kind of getting more bang for the buck on that, but things that pair together well. 
you can kind of, yeah, like, you know, almost double dip on meals. Then. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And not getting to this, um, this eating the same thing over and over. So I tried to mix it up with having chicken and, and pork and steak and all that sort of stuff. And obviously fish, but yeah, it, it gets to a little bit of being a little, maybe a little too much, but <laughs> one of my buddies was like, that was the best thing because my girlfriend is, um, she was really worried about this whole thing. So yeah. by sending out an email to us saying, this is where we're going to be on this day. This is our plan A, B, C. Um, if it's really windy, we're probably not going to do much. But if it's like okay, then we're probably going to go to this lake to go fishing. Or yeah. plan B might be this if it's semi-windy because yeah. we can take shelter behind this. Um, so that was huge um, for him. It gave him peace of mind. It gave his girlfriend peace of mind. So it's that kind of prep work initially, uh, which is something that you shouldn't take for granted. Um, but it's a lot of pressure on the person organizing it because it's like, so I'm bringing guys up that don't really know how to fish except for one. Yep. A canoe can only fit a certain amount of people. So how do I get this to work? And so I pack them all their own individualized tackle boxes um, some of them like <laughs> borrowed my, my rods and reels. Yeah. Like it total mom thing, right? <laughs> Just make sure you have enough sinkers. Yeah. <laughs> like each of them gets three of this and two yeah. of that and maybe <laughs> one of that. <laughs> That's great. Because you just never know. They all have different color patterns because we want to make sure that we're getting that and hitting all the water columns and this and that and the other thing. And I'm just thinking about this way too much. And like, they're not even thinking about any of that. So we get out there and we go fishing the first day. Uh, And within four minutes, one of my... My buddies who don't really know how to paddle, they paddle right over the top of our, uh, we're okay. So I'll rewind. We're fishing for lake trout. Uh, and so when you fish, well, when I fish for lake trout, initially I want to find where they are. So you hit all different water columns cause it was in the spring. So they could be, uh, in my previous experiences where they might be right on top of the, the, the surface of the water. Mm-hmm. I've caught a lot of them that way in the spring. Um, but they can also be almost like 30, 40, 50 uh, feet down. Yeah. That's how my fiance, uh, then a fiance, now wife, caught her big lake trout was it was vertical jigging. She just yeah. dropped a spoon down when I saw it on on the fish finder and it was 35 feet down and she jigged Boom. it up and smacked that thing. Yeah, awesome. So it's just trying to find those those different water columns and potentially different color patterns, um, which isn't really anything new to, to most people. But it's like for these people, my buddies who don't know that I've got one guy down at probably about 25 feet, another one at 15, and then another buddy that's right at the surface – they go right over the top of our lines and shoot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a fiasco after four minutes. It's like, dude, not what you want. No, not at all what you want. And it spooled the entire reel. I don't know how, because the night before 
going in. You we were talking about new line. I put on new. <laughs> I put on new line. I put on like, and they're actually giving me grief when I was spooling a line on on my buddy's rod that he just got, like brand new, like to fishing and everything. And they're all like, "Don't you have enough line on that?" I'm like. No, like I'm just going to keep putting more and more <laughs> on because, on. and then it just turns out that it spooled the entire thing within a matter of like 30 seconds. Like, how is this even possible? Because I probably put on a good 200 yards of, yeah. of yeah. line. But anyway, I'm kind of getting beyond the point. But <clears throat> I got really frustrated, which is something that you shouldn't do. I'm just going to say from the get go because yeah. it just kind of spoils it and kind of wrecks it. So when you're bringing people out, <laughs> try to bite your, bite your lip, bite your tongue, and just kind of roll with it like, whatever, here's yep. my rod, I'll get this figured out, fixed. And that's what I did eventually. Um, so we went fishing uh, after that. My two buddies that went over the top of our line, they kind of split off. I have no idea. I, like, I tried to instruct them on what to do. But they kind of just like, no, whatever. Ah, and they just kind of did their own thing. Uh, meanwhile, my other buddy who kind of, he, he has fished before. He's the one that's fished Canada. I was like, I want to cast. So I'm like, okay, well, we really can't. Like, unless lake trout are really at the, the surface or within like the first 15 feet of the water column, you're probably not going to catch them. But I'm like, I'm just going to appease you. We're going to, I'll just paddle around shore and we'll see if we can come across yeah. anything. Yep. They had a couple, he had a bite and then my other buddy had a bite and that was it. We paddle back and I'm expecting nothing from my other buddies. We paddle back and there's this monster fish that's sitting on a rock. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> what the heck? And my buddy comes down. He's a like, Laker? Well, my buddy comes down. He's like, I don't know what this fish is. It's big. It's the biggest fish I've ever caught in my life. Awesome. <laughs> I'm like, yes, awesome. Yeah. And then it turns out it was uh, it was probably about like a 19 inch smallmouth bass, which was, I mean, that's a nice yeah. smallmouth, yeah. especially for not ever catching a fish except he must for have having some bluegills. Yeah. 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 The problem is, is in their tackle box, I didn't have a stringer for them. Uh, and Damn so it, that mom. was, yeah, <laughs> mom was not thinking about everything. <laughs> I forgot my snack. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was kind of a fiasco for him. Um, he also caught a, a Northern that was probably about 28 inches, which is awesome. Nice. Yeah. Considering they were using little Cleos and he was casting in shore and he doesn't know how a thing about yeah. casting or anything. I'm like, I mean, awesome. Yeah. So he, after just that experience, he's hooked. He's like, I want to do this again. I'm going to actually buy a rod and reel for next time. Like put me down for next trip, which I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, as, as far as the other fishing, um, the next day was super windy um, it was actually some of the worst weather that I've ever experienced up there. So it's kind of interesting that literally a couple days after you got out, yep, maybe a day after you got out. I think it was one day. Yeah. And yeah. you had amazing weather for what, five or six days straight? Yeah. 
six days just the one day was windy yeah but it wasn't like we didn't have a drop of rain the whole time it was just windy that one day yeah meanwhile it was <laughs> four days of pretty much almost rain constantly <sighs> or wind uh there was one really good day of fishing and that was about it and we we just we hammered the lake trout nice. on that day nice yeah. Um, nice. And it actually turned out where my buddy who had been fishing hadn't caught anything the entire trip. And meanwhile, all of the the rest of us are just hammering them, right? Dang like it, that's yeah. It's like, and he's getting you could tell he's getting irritated because with him everything is a competition. Like <laughs> everything, yeah. like you will not beat me paddling to the the campsite. You will not beat me to anything. <laughs> Meanwhile, my buddies who hadn't fished for anything don't know a, a lick about even tying a hook or a swivel on or a lure on to yep. their line. We're all fishing them significantly. <laughs> so it's like, well, Shoot. yeah. So the last day we're paddling and we're swinging around for making our last pass. And he's like, do you like are you changing it up at all as far as, uh, so I, my rule of thumb with Lake Trout and how I had them set up, I was, I was saying, give it about a 30 count when you're, when we're trolling and that's about the right depth and the right distance from the canoe to get it, the lure yeah. down to yeah. a, a good depth yep. based off of how I've been catching them on yep. this trip. He's like, maybe I should add some seconds to it. And I was like, yeah, add like five, seven seconds. And sure enough, which, which is crazy because he, my other buddy who was counting at the same, maybe he, this is the thing. My buddy is like, he has to go fast, 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 <laughs> fast. Maybe he's counting a little too fast. Yeah. Meanwhile, my other buddy who was really patient and, and everything was obviously getting to a, a better depth mm -hmm. because as soon as he dropped this, this guy who's go, 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 go. Uh, as soon as he dropped it and gave it a, a few more seconds, he hammered four lake trout on our way back. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. So that's great. Huge success on that part. Um, but as far as uh, eating. Oh yeah. Yeah. We even, I got to get to that too. Uh, I brought up some ramp butter, which if any of you ever go into the backcountry without ramp butter, you probably should. <laughs> it, it's like the Big Mac special sauce of everything. Oh, it's man. so good. And and I'll, I guess I'll have to post a, a quick recipe or something. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's super simple. You basically just, it's, it's butter. Good butter. Make sure you get good butter at the yep. grocery store or at a deli. And then uh, go get some wild ramps if you can, if you can forage for them. And then garlic, little uh, lemon or lime. Okay. And that's it. You just kind of mix it up into a butter, that let it solidify. Really and then that is, that's the money right there. Uh, and great. so. Seasoning, I, I use the this uh, seasoning from Penzi's Spices, which y'all should get. Um, if people don't know about Penzi's, it's a, it's a, I think they're just local, aren't they? 
I don't no know. Idea. Okay. I'm pretty sure they're local. There's there's one in Uptown, uh, which is in Minneapolis, South Minneapolis area. Uh, if you can go in there, it's amazing in there. It smells amazing. But they have this Northwoods spices uh, that uh, I think the Friends of the Boundary Waters had a little partnership with them on oh, that. Right. So nice, super cool. Uh, and I was like, well, oh, sweet, I'm going to get this. So I put that on everything. And then with a little ramp butter on the, the campfire and holy smokes, we did something super basic where it was just Velveeta shells and cheese and that. And my buddies were like, this is the best mac and cheese I've ever had. And I don't know. Have you guys been to Revival? Oh, yeah. Have you had their mac and cheese? Yeah. So Revival is a uh, a restaurant in South Minneapolis and also in St. Paul. Yep. And they've... Comfort I, food. Yeah. I would say that their mac and cheese is unreal plus smack shacks lobster mac and cheese yep. <laughs> is unprecedented and i would say that this laker lake trout mac and cheese with just velveeta shells and cheese probably is rivals that taste and i'm That's not awesome. i'm not saying i'm not saying <laughs> on the fact that well we're in the back country so everything you could eat a Cardboard new tastes better, or birch right, bark, right. or whatever. Everybody like, says that. This was unreal good. Like yeah. to the point where my buddies were like, "I could have this any day, anytime." Dude, it when, was so yeah, good. When you sent that picture, even by that picture, you know, when you look at something, there's just certain things you look at that you know tasted really yeah. good. Yeah. And when you sent that picture, I was like. I want that right now. Yeah. Like, I want to eat that right now because I guarantee that tastes amazing. Yeah. It was a great. Yeah, it looked good. Which I have to, I still have to post all those pictures I haven't gotten to, but. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, that, we'll, uh, we'll have to put together a little recipe for that, too. Yeah, we can, we can throw something together and, yeah, because that, I'm, I'm sure, I, I know people, a lot of people that frequent that area always look for different recipes and different ways to cook trout and do. You know, we've done a few different ways, but that that looked. I'd love to try that. Yeah, that looked yeah. amazing. Because like good. even with uh, even with Allie's podcast, where it's like, no, we like we don't really do freeze dried meals or anything. There, she was saying, well, we just bring whatever, and we deal with the consequences of having to carry that much more weight, and sometimes that is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can vouch yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. I no discredit because I will I will sing the praises of Mountain House until I die because I love Mountain House. I think they make some good stuff. Um <laughs> it tastes really good. It's probably not super healthy for you, but it tastes really good and it's really good in a pinch. Yep. Super lightweight. Uh but yeah, if you can try and uh, figure out a way to either catch your own fish or yep. something or add an element of home to it. Pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, and that's I can say one thing I thought of when we started talking about this podcast was one thing I forgot to mention in the bear hunt. My greatest discovery of this bear hunt, my biggest lesson was Backpackers Pantry, and they have a pad tie. Oh. And I bought it because of the calorie amounts. Yeah. It's 460 calories per servings, and it's a two-serving calorie count. So Wow. Uh, 
I bought it for that reason. So you're looking at 920 calories and it's 20 grams of protein. And so I, uh, I got into it and used it on this bear hunt. And honestly, I literally came home and told my wife, I would eat that for dinner at home. It was so good. Wow. And it's not backpackers pantry. Isn't that great? Like, it's not like a Heather's choice, but Mm -hmm. it's not nearly as bad for you as some of the mountain house meals are. It was so damn good. Yeah. Like, literally, I was just like, oh, my God. I I can't believe how good this is. (laughs) I think Cody got that when we went to South Dakota. I'm almost sure. I tried it, and I was like, I wish. I was like, man, I wish I'd have got that. Pretty sure I'm buying, like, four of those for elk. Yeah. (laughs) You're right with mountain house, so that's the thing. They're biscuits and gravy. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's the best. Game over. Yeah. Like when I have that in Alaska, I like Dave, the guy I go to Alaska with, he buys Mountain House when he travels like during his show season. He'll buy Mountain House and he'd rather have that biscuits and gravy than a lot of the biscuits and gravy oh, that's yeah. served at the hotel. <laughs> he brings that and, it, yeah. and it's that good. So if you've never had biscuits and gravy, that's hit it. Yeah. It's that, good. That is the best part of waking up. Oh my Way God. better you than folders in your cup. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's about to come. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's awesome. So, yeah. Oh, and then uh, another crazy thing is. Uh, and I was not on drugs. I promise you, I was not on drugs. <laughs> it was around 11 p.m. where some of my buddies and I were looking up into the sky, and it looked like Galaga was happening with like a giant laser with these like pods coming through the laser. And it turned out that it was SpaceX shooting off like 60 satellites or something like okay. that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it was like. We were What's all like, going on? what is happening? <laughs> so I get on my beacon and I'm starting like texting my, um, my fiance slash wife. I was like, <laughs> is everything okay? <laughs> Cause like this, this isn't the Northern lights here. <laughs> Something's going on. <laughs> these are like, a, it looked like a bunch of satellites were going like, in a line, but super fast, and there's a laser going through them. I was like, "What the heck is going on?" That's crazy. Yeah, there's wow. videos of it like online, but it looks like just pong dots going across. Okay, like that's crazy. YouTube, but this was like a brilliant laser just shooting off. It's like like that, and other debris is going all over the place. But yeah, so. Also soak in a little bit of the night sky. Totally. <laughs> totally. Just, Even I, I promise you I was not on drugs. I promise yeah. you. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, what do we have left? Just um, my spring, spring bear. bear. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I'll keep that pretty quick. Uh, it was really and actually a, a, a cool experience because the gentleman who mentored me and still does in many ways in bow hunting, starting right off in Kentucky – was the was the the gentleman that I took out this year with me to Montana and it ended up being kind of a goal of trying to get him a bear. I carried my bow like one time, but it's just such a beautiful area out there and Joe knows, you know, going out to Montana spring bear hunting, it's such a beautiful time to be in the woods. We ended up having to be pretty high in elevation to find the spots that uh that we were seeing bears. Uh and it ended up being our last night 
spotted a bear, ended up doing about a mile, just over a mile stock to get within 238 yards. And Steve was was on his pack with his rifle and the safety did come off. So it was that close. The safety mm. came off. Steve ultimately made the right decision. Anytime you're in a situation like that, you know, he took the safety off and I'm I'm just kind of waiting, watching through the binos, waiting to see if I can see where 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 the impact is and the bears in the open and Steve didn't shoot and the bear kind of stepped up over this log and off the backside and kind of out of our lives. And I asked Steve, I said, what, what, what's up, man? And he just said, I couldn't get steady. And I'm like, well, uh. it takes, it takes a, you know, it takes a seasoned outdoorsman to make that decision, mm. especially after that, especially after mm. a mile long <clears throat> stock. And we've been searching for these bears in the mountains for five days. And here's our last night. And it's a beautiful chocolate uh. bear. Uh, Definitely a, definitely a nice bear. And he made the decision. He, he said, man, my, my up and down was good. It just, my left and right was, was unstable. And I, you know, of course you're both disappointed, but I, I reassured him. I'm like, Hey, you made the right decision. You know, you get up there, you shoot a bear like that in the hip. Now what? Yeah. You know, so uh, it was was one of those heartbreaking, but at the same time, uh, lessons to learn and and to realize. Okay, yeah, if 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 you're not stable, make sure make sure that you're stable. Yeah. You know, it's just it's 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 the. I don't like to get too you know mushy with this stuff, but we do to some degree owe that to the animals we hunt yeah. to make sure that not only we practice up front. And before we ever go, but that when we do get in a situation, we're not taking some super iffy shot, you know, and I, I understand the side of it's hunting and not all, everything always goes as planned and all of that. But when you, that's, that's something different than when you know you're unstable and you did it anyway, Yeah, you know, when you know you shouldn't do it, but you do it anyway, just because of the heat of the moment. So I was proud of him for that, you know, and as we drove home, we talked about it and was like, Hey, you think about this, man. We spotted that bear over a mile away. We, we put a stock and got within gun range of him and we did everything right. We didn't have another move to make. We were in the wide. If we tried to get closer in the wide open. And I said, so we did everything right. It's just that one last piece didn't quite come together. So Ultimately, it was a beautiful trip out there. We didn't we didn't bring a bear home in the cooler, but it was a beautiful trip, and we learned a ton so that we can be successful next time. Yeah, you know, nice one of those deals. So, yeah, it was a it was a it's kind of a as for family life, it's been it's it's been a busy. I know Joe, you've had a lot going on. Chad obviously trumps us with getting married, fiance becoming wife, no honeymoon. Buying a house. Buying a house. <laughs> yeah. That's a getting, lot. <laughs> maybe I'm getting a lot of shade for this too, but we got kittens too, but it was more of a compromise. <laughs> I was going to give you a yeah. time. Wait, wait, wait. You got there. kittens. That was right the next day we got from home from Italy, <laughs> our honeymoon. <clears throat> we got two kittens from the same litter, but the I guess the compromise was, 
You can have you can have cats if I can have another dog. So I got go. another. Okay, I got another one coming there this winter. Go. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> those kind of compromises aren't bad. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I'm, I with the thing with cats. What I love with cats is just watching them, and then thinking about what that'd be like if they were 200 pounds heavier. Oh, you know, just watching a cat be so <laughs> agile and so sneaky and quiet like if you watch it you ever watch just a cat just sneak up on a bird feeder yeah and you're like man imagine what that'd be like 200 pounds heavier. yeah you know you think about a mountain lion or a tiger or a lion in africa and you're like they're just the way that they move it yeah, is just crazy. so cool you know yeah. i'm not necessarily a cat guy but no neither am i yeah uh, i grew up with a cat and it was it was cool but it's there's a connection that you just have with dogs that I feel you just don't have with a cat. But mm-hmm. I think a buddy of mine put it best, and he was a little out there, but he put up a he put it up as cats are just living decorations. Huh. You don't do anything with them. You don't interact with them. You might interact with them when they come up and rub against <laughs> yeah. you. But otherwise, they're like hanging out in a corner, just like this, yeah. looking yeah. at you when you walk yeah. in the house. <laughs> and they move every once in a while. But it's just a decoration that moved from this corner to that corner. You yeah. pet him and look at him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's uh, – so I have a friend that when I told her, because she has a couple of cats, uh, when I told her that I, we were getting cats, she's like, oh, my goodness. Da, da, da. Did you know that you can actually train – your cats to do things. So I was like, what? No way. So like, <laughs> you can, litter like dogs? <laughs> more than that, you can teach them to sit, stay and ah. actually come. Whoa. I was like, okay, so if I can do that and some of them, they, they can actually train to retrieve. So I'm like, I'm not how? taking the food out of a cat's mouth. How could I? Yeah, no, <laughs> but how could I, I'm, I'm trying to think of, Hunting, I don't even know if it's legal, so I'll have to check out the regulations. <laughs> but how can I bring shoulder? a domesticated cat in the woods with me? Because I'm thinking, there, I feel like there's no better game to go after than woodcock. Yeah, I was going to say woodcock. Woodcock holds so tight. I was so just going to say, yeah. Uh, that, that actually would be pretty what, sweet to see yeah, a cat go after a, cat, a woodcock. I wonder how a cat would do in like a low, wet, like wet puddly kind of area if they would enjoy that or not i hate water cats, uh, it's, it's exposed so some cats like i don't even know why we're talking about this <laughs> <laughs> some cats like showers sorry everyone like, <laughs> yeah, like we're baths about, and stuff that's what we were talking about earlier over researching everything yeah right, right. chad got a cat and he's like let's see if a cat yeah, will retreat how can water I, <laughs> <laughs> how can i get it on woodcocks it's like homer bound right yeah yeah <laughs> i think you hit the nail on the head the first thing to research is the legality of such a mm-hmm. claim yeah Getting these cats to hunt woodcocks. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they can teach a falcon or hawk yeah, how to do that, that yeah. maybe yeah. is there a chance? Yeah. So I'll have to reach out to the DNR yeah. to see if that's even possible before yeah. I pursue it. But yeah, so a lot going on. I I spend pretty much June and July laying pretty low. It's a good thing for me to do that with my wife Danielle, just kind of hanging out and doing as much as we can because uh, because of leaving for Alaska. So that's a month yeah, and a half again. Yeah. So yeah. that's coming up in one month. I leave August 5th. Okay. So. so that basically is, in a way, it's two weeks because it takes two weeks for you to pack. 
So really, <laughs> no, we have two weeks, yeah, two weeks it. before I disappear. <laughs> yeah, I've it, the nice thing is I've I was thinking about that, and I've gotten I've gotten so much better at it that I I'm gonna this year. I always religiously go over my packing list and check my gear. I've got some really? of it laid out already. I, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be able to tell. Laid yeah. next to Joe there on the floor. Um, Literally laid out. Yeah, and it'll be laid out like that. Neatly folded. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah there, that's that's the one area of my life I'm super organized in. So um, I've gotten a lot better at it. So I think I, I pretty much know what I need now. And I do have a list on my phone in Evernote that I, that I check three or four times just to make sure because it's one of those things you know it's 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 to each its own environment you know like you mentioned the boundary waters you go there and there are some serious repercussions for not bringing what you need Mm -hmm. there's some serious repercussions for getting hurt there um that there aren't when you're hiking in a city park you know there's some serious repercussions in heading deep into the bob marshall wilderness on an elk hunt and not having what you need or getting hurt. Alaska, for me anyway, that is by far the heaviest on repercussions for forgetting something you need or getting hurt. So I try to, I I really try to do the best I can. And now it's not only, it's not me going there for myself. It's me going there to be a part of a team. So that that weighs on me too. It's like, if I forget something, that means this, this gentleman that's with us is missing out on maybe some important piece of equipment because I didn't bring it. Yeah. So it, yeah. it weighs on me heavy. So it, it is, it is funny though. Cause Danielle's like, okay, seriously, you've checked that like 18 <laughs> times, you know? So and mm. I need to, I need to just trust myself at this point that, okay, everything's here. I've checked it. But, oh. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah, and for me, it's this spring is post hunt and post getting the puppy has been daddy daughter dance with my goddaughter, and then football. I started coaching with my kid this year, and that was super fun. Nice. And now it's fishing time. Yeah, and we've finally get caught up on everything around that I need to do. Uh, you know, with work and stuff like that, as far as like weekends ago and stuff. And so now my kids and I have a deal. I take one kid one weekend in my kayak, one kid the next weekend nice. in my kayak fishing. So they both get to go get out plenty. And uh, we were up at the cabin last weekend. We were up the, in the kayak this past weekend and just getting them out as much as possible. And this weekend we got uh, from the crappie tournament we put on, we won the Gamo Varmint, whatever, Predator, whatever it is, 1250 feet per second yeah. bb gun basically nice. yes and so i haven't sighted it in yet so i finally went and picked up all the pellets and stuff yesterday and we're going up north this weekend for the fourth and we're gonna hammer away on that thing i got a spinning target Fun. for it and that's one of those awesome watermelons that like bleed or whatever from like a bb gun target oh yeah, yeah. So awesome kids are all jacked up yeah. for it so it's that's awesome fun. Yeah. yeah. So we've been a lot. We've been pretty busy, guys, here through the spring, and and still have a lot going on. And this will be one of our a little bit longer episodes. We're at a, we're at an hour and eighteen minutes right now, but we'll probably wrap up here um, for tonight. But just wanted to touch on one other thing. You know, Chad, Joe, and I were having some conversation before we turned on the recorder tonight, and I I just wrote an article that touches on this. For some reason, 
and we'll get a little bit saucy here tonight, I think, with it. Um, or spicy, maybe. Maybe not saucy. I haven't had any drinks, so I won't be saucy, but <laughs> these guys might. Uh, and it touches a little bit on on the idea of kind of what the goal is and, and what we're doing when we're hunting. And a lot of hunting culture and social media and numerous things play into it, but... I think it's important. I think one of the things that we talked about before we turned on the podcast was those of us who've been around for a little while now and have learned and had good mentors and we're on our way to progressing as outdoorsmen and women, it's important for us to a little bit be gatekeepers of why we do what we do and be really honest about it, why we do this. Yeah. And Joe brought up a good point, you know, is like, because in that article that I wrote, if you've got time, go go maybe read that article. And I talk about what is the goal and what is a win, what's considered winning. And we were talking a little bit about, you know, every sport that exists out there. And I don't really like to call hunting a sport. It's more of a lifestyle choice. But in every sport, there's there's a way to win. And you know when you didn't win. And then you, on the contrary, you know when you win. In hunting, it seems like we blur the lines so much of not realizing that a win is bringing home an animal because that's why we buy our tag and that's why we carry a weapon. And that's not to say that you can't go out into the wilderness and have the greatest hunt of your life and not kill an animal. That's mm-hmm. completely possible. Some of my best memories are hunts I've been on that I didn't, ki- that I didn't kill an animal. Yeah. But if we don't define that goal then we don't have a benchmark that lets us know if we're getting better at our craft. Yep. Yeah. If we don't define that and look off in the distance, and like I said in that article, there's a big, there's a long spectrum of hunters. And I think the three of us would agree that none of us are at the beginning, and but definitely none of us are at the end. Mm-mm. And there's people who are far more experienced than we are, and there's people who are far less experienced than we are. And it's important to recognize that spectrum because you can't expect the same thing out of somebody at the beginning of that spectrum as you would in the middle or the end. But evaluate yourself and see where you're at and and ask yourself tough questions. Why am I doing this or why am I posting this on social media? And I mentioned right at the end of that article about being honest with yourself and, and being humble. I think, I think, unfortunately, it seems like there's a lack of humility a lot of times. It's interesting because the people who are really consistent in achieving that goal, you don't hear about as much no. because they seem to be humble because the people that, and this isn't anything, when you're legit, you don't have to tell people you are yeah. as often, it seems. No. When, I, when I find the most legitimate people in a, in a given arena of life, it's like they aren't going around telling everybody how awesome yeah. they are. You know, And social media is a platform where we share our experiences, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, you guys have you know some thoughts on it. It's, it's been something a little bit, I don't know why, the last, I guess, few months it's bothered me a little bit that sometimes we, we blur the lines in that where... We're, we become so complacent and okay with not getting better at it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that, I think that's a dangerous thing for hunter recruitment, for people coming up underneath us um, to, to say, hey, 
you know, we did our best and it, it didn't work out, but here's what success looks like. And yeah. there's a path to success and there's a lot to learn. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of time and dedication to be put in to be successful on a consistent basis. You know? Yeah. I, I, the first thing that comes to mind for me when I read the article and then when we were talking tonight and I didn't bring this up earlier is recently I listened to a podcast podcast. It was one of the Jocko podcasts and it was based on like their, their evaluation system within the military branches. And with the Navy, they have an evaluation evaluation system that goes from a one to a five, Mm. one being the lowest five being the highest. And he was talking about when he would evaluate his teams, they'd come in and he'd be like, all right, you got to three in this, a four in this, a two in this, a three in this, whatever. And the guys would flip out. You know, I think I'm a five and everything and blah, blah, blah. And and then Jocko would go, okay, do you realize what a five is? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, here, read this to me. And he'd throw it to him and they'd read the what a five was. And a five was literally an unattainable goal of perfection. Mm-hmm. Everything's perfect. Yeah. And... And people would come back and be like, well, that's stupid. Why would we do that and whatever? And Jocko had a really good point when he said, why not strive to be perfect, even if it is unattainable? Why yeah. not get as close to that as possible or work towards that? Have right. something to go towards rather than hit a level and say, I'm okay here yeah. and stop yeah. at that point. That's a good point. And when I listened to that, I was like, holy crap. And, yeah. you know, it's something you can put towards your everyday life. Yeah. It could be like... Like you, like after that, I made a scoring system for daily life. Like, did I read today? Did I yeah. spend time with my kids? Like quality time with my kids? Did I talk to my wife today? Like actually talk to my wife? Did <laughs> yeah. I, you know, get my work done and whatever? And like, and like started really sit down and rethink like how yep. I do certain things. And it's, it's, it's a huge mind fuck at first when you realize like how far off you are on certain things. Yeah. But then when you start actually like striving towards them. It's pretty easy. And I think the same thing goes with hunting. Like, yeah, you don't, I mean, we're not all going to kill an animal on every single hunt we go on. And like I said earlier, there's no reason to beat ourselves up over it either. Exactly. But I do think there needs to be a level of responsibility if you want to be that person that's out there informing other people on how to do it. Totally. It's a, yeah, it's a matter of intentional living. Um, which I think we all need to get better at, which Joe, you're kind of uh, talking about. I actually have a buddy that runs a, a, a blog, but also does his own thing about intentional living uh, just in your life in general. So everything you say is like spot on, Joe, about yeah. what what is success? And Brian, you kind of define this too, is uh, sometimes, so is it... I'll, I'll rewind real quick. So my dad uh, mentioned in our last podcast about well, when when I made it in the in being in the wildlife or just being in the outdoors is when I went out alone and I didn't shoot anything and I just enjoyed the sunrise, yeah. which is great. Yeah. That's a a good thing to have um, where you kind of find peace in defeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess is yeah. what what it is. Oh. Yep, um, but. That's not why we're out there. Sure. What is the definition of success? Well, for waterfall hunting, it's try to get your limit if you can. (laughs) Or get your, I should say, you should get your, try to get your limit, your daily limit, 
But if your daily limit exceeds your possession limit, then get your possession limit. Um, that's a, a whole point. nother thing altogether. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, it's it's defining it and try to to live up to that standard, right? Um, and being intentional about it. So with, uh, I think the best example that I can bring to this conversation is waterfall hunting is so nuanced that, um, and, and you, Brian, you even talked about this with your turkey hunts, uh, just at the get go, I tried this, I tried decoy this, I tried different times. I tried different areas. I, I don't know what I, I contacted friends who yep. are experienced, uh, in turkey hunting and I couldn't, I couldn't crack it, but yep. you gave it your all. Yeah. <clears throat> and that, I guess at the end of the day, it's, it's about being able to say, I gave it yep. my all totally. And I changed tactics. So some of the greats, um, when I, I think of the greats, I think of, well, first I think Michael Jordan, because he, he first was, uh, he used to just drive and just finish at, at the rim. But as he got older, He's like, I can't do that anymore. Um, and so he started developing a fadeaway jumper that was unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what Kobe did too. Right. Um, and, and other people, as they get older, as they progress, they learn that there's there's other ways to do things. And you can still be as successful or even more successful with us impact on you Yeah, by just being more intentional on... Um, defining a different route and looking at things in a different way yep. and seeking guidance from different people. Yep. Um, well, and I think, I think along those lines, like one thing that I found in life that really frustrates me um, is adults like our age, especially, and even older, yeah. even in their fifties and sixties, adults that give up with moving forward. They get locked in a way and that's the way. Yeah. There's no getting better. There's no being better. There's no more success at after this point. Like that attitude in my mind is just a shit attitude to yeah. have. Yeah. And I think like in the case of like what you're talking about with like Michael or Kobe or, you know, greats like that, they adapt and they evolve and they do what they need to do to keep relevant and keep being the best. Yep. And they figure out ways to do it. And I think that's that's the key, you know, in life. I think with hunting especially too, like we could talk all day long about like wilderness hunting or like backpacking and doing all this hard stuff. But you get to a certain age where that's not going to be a yeah. thing. Yeah. And what do you do then? You know, I think a lot of people what they do is, and I think this is great is they put their time and effort into their kids or their grandkids or whatever. And I think that is a way of still moving forward. Yep. yep. You're teaching yep. them everything you knew. Right. And they're learning it at a young age. And then that way they can progress the forward the sport totally. even further. Yeah. And I think that's that's my biggest pet peeve is just when I see people just like they hit a certain point or they have one bad day or one bad year or one bad decade even and they just drop everything and yep. say, Screw it, this is where I'm yeah. at. Yeah, and let's 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 get I mean, I don't want to be super i guess i don't know what the word is or for wax and poetic yeah right? too poetic with it but <laughs> let's just go let's just go back and think about what the goal was and and you touched on this a little bit joe and i and i and i do believe this and you hear this from other people but i do feel that kind of innate like within us as human beings the desire to 
to acquire our own food mm-hmm. is something that kind of transcends a lot of other things yeah. in our daily life to either grow a garden and harvest vegetables from that garden and, and cook those and eat those. And you know that you put those seeds in the ground and this is the harvest to go out with your gun or your bow and, and take a deer from the landscape and bring that home. There's something that's pretty primal about it. And like you touched on that, on, on the goal. Cause I think all three of us here are pretty established in that when we say we're hunting, the goal is an animal. Yeah. When we say that's what we're doing, then the goal is an animal. Is it is is part of that the beautiful sunrise or sunset? Yep. Is part of that this beautiful ridge line and the fog setting in between the mountain pass? Yep. All of that stuff is involved, but none of it's the, actually the goal. When yeah. we say I'm a hunter, that means I'm going out to try to bring meat home. And when you really take that back, there's even a goal that's set further than that. And that's when I've become successful at consistently being able to do that. So I've, I've taken this whole, this life and, and focused it towards that goal and I've become proficient at it. Then my son or daughter comes up and I, I give them the tools and the drive and, and the, and the information and the knowledge to then go and do the same thing I did, I think that ends up being the ultimate goal. Yeah. When, when, when I can take someone that I'm mentoring, and I just did this, it was such a cool feeling. I was almost more proud of this than any animal I've personally taken as a new hunter that I got into hunting a few years ago. And this last year, he kills a doe with his bow and a turkey in the spring with his bow. So he shot, shoots a doe in the fall and then follows it up back to back with it with a turkey in the spring. And that was countless hours of talking to him about what deer do and what turkeys do and, yeah. and shooting bows with him and getting him to be able to co- get over this enormous trigger panic that he had on his release, yeah. you know, and, and working through that. And when he called me and said, I shot a doe and she's down, I can see her. That was like, I thought. This is this is kind of what it's all about. Yeah. Because if you go way back, what happened? Those old men in the tribe got to where they weren't physically capable of doing that anymore. So hopefully they were legit when they could. And they were able to pass that information to those young men coming up in the tribe that would be the ones to to get food yeah. for everybody, you know, and and obviously, like you said, Joe, earlier, we don't live in that day. Um, if we did, there'd be a lot of social media hunters that'd go hungry, (laughs) (laughs) probably myself Uh, included at times. Yeah. But you know, the idea of that conversation earlier was that, you know, like I said earlier, if you have a bad hunt or you, you go out West, you put a ton of time and a ton of money and investment and family issues and stuff like that on the line to take a trip like that. Right. And it doesn't go the way you want it to. Don't come home beating yourself up. Right, right. Take pride in the fact that you took that leap, yep. that you went out there and you tried. Yep. Because a lot of people won't even go out there and try. Right. Yep. And, but, you know, like the argument was earlier, like, there's no reason we should beat ourselves up. Because totally. we're not relying on it. In the end, the the game of hunting is, it's, it's a hobby. Yeah. It's for enjoyment. 
Yeah. And let's keep it for that. Well, like, luckily no for us, it is a hobby. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. if it wasn't, if it was a way of life, we our, our culture would be in trouble yeah. these days. Yeah. And you're 100% right. We There's a very delicate line here. And we were talking about this. This is almost hard to hard to put into words because you can define some things. But like you said, there's... Um, there's a, there's a delicate line to not go do these things and then, and then beat yourself up for not accomplishing what we say the goal is as a hunter. Yeah. At the same time, I think what we should do with that almost feeling of defeat is take that, turn around as ammunition and pour it all into what did I learn why didn't it work out? And what can I apply the next time I go? Yeah. yeah. Use it that way instead of using it as this like, you know, beating yourself up. Like you say, don't ever do that. Yeah. You know, the fact that taking any animal anywhere at any time is, is a, is a, is a feat in itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care where you're at or what you're doing, taking any animal. I was talking to Dave <clears throat> today about this cause he had a difficult spring bear season and we were both were talking about animals are different than us. They wake up every day and the only thing they're required to do is survive. Mm-hmm. Like that's all that they're doing. All they're doing is surviving. They're not having coffee, you know, they're not they're to not... some that's surviving is, is just <laughs> right. getting a cup of coffee. In the right, morning. right, right, yeah. right. You know? Yeah. And and that's us as you know, we even have shirts that say you know, but first coffee, yeah. right? You know, I can't function unless I have my cup of <laughs> <Right>. coffee. <laughs> and these animals that we're pursuing, <clears throat> they don't have coffee. They don't have coffee. <laughs> they don't have coffee makers. They, you know, and but all they're doing is surviving. Yeah, and they're yeah. good at it. Mm-hmm. They're really good at it. And you know, and so I guess the takeaway tonight is, is if you're listening to this, look at yourself and just say, "Hey, man, where am I at on that spectrum?" And hopefully what Contact Outdoors can be to you is a resource. If you are new in that spectrum, reach out to us because we're a little bit further along. If we don't have the answers you need, we we probably know someone who does that's further along in the spectrum than we are. And that's how we that's how we really build not only individuals but ourselves as as that kind of hunting culture and group. Not by tooting our own horn constantly and saying, I have the corner on how to do this or that, uh, especially just pushing products just because we got one to test out and now we're going to write a review and we used it for five minutes. Yeah. That's just not the direction to go, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. You guys got anything else? My rant, I might, that's the end of my rant. <laughs> I guess you can also follow it uh, in line with just being nonchalant too about it uh, or apathetic where it's like, I appreciate where I'm at and that's it mm. Yeah, where that, I guess that's the other side of the spectrum instead of in a way trying to change or learn. It's yeah. like, well, whatever, maybe next year. Yeah. It's like, well, no, like go out there and, and, and give it everything you have. Yeah. Uh, leave nothing. Yeah. Because why oh, not? Yeah. This is your only life. Yep. I was watching an embedded series. I love UFC, and I was watching an embedded series, and some of you might know the name John Jones. He's arguably the best fighter on the planet. Like, 
with some drug issues. <laughs> yeah, he had he had a little bit going on there that's questionable. But you know, he's one of those people that <laughs> is it though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had some narcotic issues for sure. His his doping thing was yeah, a little questionable. Questionable, yeah. but uh, but you know, he he was talking today, and he's he's kind of come full circle of that and saying, you know, I've I've messed up plenty in my life, but I go to the gym every day. Because I want to be the baddest ass John Jones that I can be, yeah. you know. And and he said, I don't want to look back and say, why didn't I do that? Mm-hmm. You know. Well, it's like uh, Bukowski said it best, I think. And I always remember this quote: "When I find my new like passion is find what you love and let it kill you. Mm. Like let it like you get so involved in it that that." You take it to the furthest level yeah, that you yeah, can, yeah. And I and I don't take that as actually kill you, but right. as like kill that self. You take yeah. that self that is obsessed with Western hunting, waterfowl, you know, whatever it is, and you 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 research and you work on it, and you get to a point where you burn yourself out, and then you move on to the next thing. Yeah, and I, yep. I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, you live no. your life to the fullest. You get to enjoy as many of these things to the get fullest way it. you yeah, can. Totally. And don't uh, the other aspect maybe is just don't get discouraged when you see other people's successes because no. chances are there's someone that's out there that's better than you. Yeah. Always, yeah. always uh, is. And so don't. <laughs> we all wish there wasn't. Yeah, but there always is, no matter. Yeah, what. sometimes being a, I guess, a role player. In your own success, um, you might not be the Hall of Famer or the superstar. Right. And that, and and that may that's be something fine. to feed off, though, because there's people out there that don't look towards the Hall of Famer. They look for the guy that they can, you know, yeah. relate to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah, I can't, at this point, I can't relate to in hunting, you know, in the hunting level of, say, a Steven Ronella. Yeah. He just knows so much oh. and he's just so much further ahead than I am. I can't quite relate. I can learn from him, but maybe somebody that's a little bit closer in my sphere of influence that knows a lot. I can yeah. kind of latch on to and mm-hmm. learn everything mm-hmm. I can from him. So just, just some thoughts. This was kind of a um, philosophy to end <laughs> the night. So sorry for that. If you were bored on that, I'm sorry, but that was something important we talked about be- at the beginning of the podcast. And I just wanted to say this, we just did a, we're going to wrap things up because this guys, we promise this will by far be our longest podcast. So if you're still oh, with us, don't promise that. <laughs> well, wait, I'm, I'm the only one that can see the counter right now. We're at an hour and 41 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> So hey, that's pretty good. Maybe, yeah. That's yeah. that's. If you're still there and you're still interested, <laughs> then you are a true fan. So thank you very much. Um, but I just want to say we just did a, you know, review of our spring season. And if you've got a story, or again, we always ask this, and it's because we mean it. If you've got a story or a thought or an idea or something that you want to share from your spring season, uh, something you had going on. Hit us up on social media or our website, Facebook, Instagram, email. Uh, find an avenue to reach out to us and let us know. We'd love to hear about what you've got going on. And if you've got ideas for a, a blog or an article to write, our website is considered a platform for you to share that, and we'd like to hear about it. So reach out to us, guys. We really appreciate all all, all three of us. I know Jeff. I can speak for Jeff and, and Cody in Kentucky and and uh, David in in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
all of us guys, part of Contact Outdoors, we really, really appreciate it and uh, your support and the time that you take to engage with us. So hope you enjoyed tonight and we will catch you on the next one. Hey Siri, play the latest episode of the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast. Okay, Backcountry Dreaming Podcast coming up. Go out and I've always thought that turkey hunting might be one of the best hunts to take somebody out on that maybe has never hunted before or is reintroduced. Oh, it's crazy fun. It's active. It's action-packed. Hey, Apple users, did you know you can access the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast using Siri? You can also find us on Spotify and Stitcher, but no matter where you get your podcasts, Remember to subscribe and give us a rating and review. We love your feedback. The Contact Outdoors crew would like to send out a sincere thank you to all of our listeners. The Backcountry Dreaming Podcast is brought to you by Contact Outdoors and directed by Brian Holberg. Original music and audio production by Dakota Rankin. Connect with us online. Links to our website, Instagram, and Facebook can be found in the show notes.